Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 158, Soul Stability in 2021. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Lori Creek, and my usual co-host and husband, Matt, is with our kids. You might hear a few screams every now and again in the background, but we do have the ever-faithful and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. Guys, I am so excited to dive into the conversation today on how to have soul stability this year. That's the phrase that's been like ringing in my own soul that I need it. Uh, but I wanted to let you know this is your friendly episode, episodial reminder. We're going to go with that word uh, that you can watch our podcast on YouTube and Vimeo. Just search Lori Creek, L A U R I E K R I E G. And then you can see our guest who's going to help us unpack some of this soul stability, this fighting forward, which who is our guest? It's Hannah Brencher. Hannah, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here this morning. So glad to have you. Man, guys, if you do not know Hannah Brencher, she is an author, blogger, TED speaker, and entrepreneur. She founded The World Needs More Love Letters, a global community dedicated to sending letter bundles to those who need encouragement, which is, oh my goodness, every single person on the planet right now. Uh, but she was named as one of the White House's women working to do good, good for you, and a spokesperson for the United States Postal Service. Hannah has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Oprah, Glamour, USA Today. I just don't even know any of those words. I'm just reading them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's amazing. The Chicago Tribune and more. She is the author of the book we'll dive into today. Her third book. It's called Fighting Forward, Your Nitty Gritty Guide to Beating the Lies That Hold You Back. I got some lies and I'm excited to beat them back in a nitty gritty way. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to go to the question of the week from last week, uh, which is another mask question. We've done another one of these, like, what's your mask story? This time we're talking about what okay. kind of a mask wearer are you? So are you like you get out of the store and you rip it off and you're like, stupid mask, I'm done. Or are you like get home? This is my husband, Matt. He gets home and he he looks like a ninja. Um, so <laughs> he just forgets. Uh, Hannah, we'll start with you. What what kind of mask wear are you? You know, I used to be the take it off immediately. Now I feel like maybe I've gotten used to it that sometimes right. I like forget it's on. Or like, have you had that happen where like you're in the car and all of a sudden you're not even you're not even out of the car you're not at your destination and you find yourself putting it on and you're like what wait what's happening so like that's where i'm at right now this weird space where like you don't even notice that people are wearing masks anymore and that's just so sad it's so sad and weird we have a one-year-old and he's this is just his life his reality mm, Our right older, yep. he does just like oh yeah masks steve what are you what's your deal uh well, I feel like I spent a long time when this whole thing started trying to find some kind of um, like really efficient form of a mask. Like they've got those kinds that um, you can that you just pull down and then they're just a thing around your neck. But then yeah, that, the gator. Th- right. But that just made my neck hot. So I was like, nope, I don't <laughs> like that. And then there was the kind that is a thing that goes around behind your your like. Like not just around your ears, but around your neck and like, I don't know, that's like you gotta pull it off over your head. So I just, I haven't found a really good solution. I think right now I'm just using the regular old, you know, medical kind to go around your ear and I whip it off quick. Um, But 
I liked what a couple of people said on Facebook. Uh, Callie said, usually I'm a rip it off in the parking lot person, but the face mask makes my face toasty warm in the cold. Uh, and then Danny <laughs> said, I find myself forgetting it's on often. I even leave it on while driving because I like to wear it outside to protect my face from the cold. So I don't know where in the world these people live, but um, maybe a climate <laughs> like Michigan. And maybe I need to get a more like wooly kind of thick face mask so that I can also get the benefit of a warm face. <laughs> uh, Steve, I related Tamara on Facebook said this. She used to make fun of people who still had it on, but in the winter I notice I forget because it's keeping my nose warm. And I did the same thing. I was like, I'm just going to be one of those people that's walking around in the parking lot with it on my face because it's Michigan and it's snowing yeah. and my right. face is cold. So I was like, okay, fine. I, I like you, mask. Yeah. <laughs> if, if your husband Matt was with us, I'd be talking about, like, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy guy who just presses this button and this whole face thing somehow oh, appears out of nowhere. That's what I want. I want a button that just puts it on my yes. face and a button that just removes it. Okay, I like that. I don't even need to be as nerdy as you guys, and I still <laughs> dig it. <laughs> Hannah, oh man. So the reason we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so we've asked every guest for the last 150 some episodes, this set of questions, and this is the questions. If the gospel yeah. is, I'm more loved than I imagine and yet more sinful than I believe. When was the gospel first good news for you? And how is it still today? You know, it's so interesting. So I have been, I would say I've been a believer since I was 22 is when I made the decision. But when it actually became good news for me, I was probably 26. Huh. And so there was that initial like, yes, I believe in the gospel. But I found that like the foundation that I had was one that was not the truth of God. Um, it was more so like very fear-based of like, don't mess up, don't do this wrong, or like, God is not going to love you, you know? Mm. Um, and so I would say that I was fully introduced to who I truly believe God is when I was 26. Mm. What happened at 26? So at 26 is when I went through um, a pretty life-threatening depression. Um, mm. I was, it was just a very dark time. I ended up being hospitalized. I really had to like rebuild my life from the ground up. Um, mm. But I would, I tell people that I would go through that a thousand times more to have this outcome of finally seeing and believing God's love for me because mm. It's almost like you're giving your everything to something only to find out like you don't add up, you're not enough. And mm -hmm. so um, to be living now in this space of freedom, I don't know that if I, I would have gotten to that place or gotten there as soon if I hadn't gone through this depression. Mm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Ooh, and already thinking about like what I've read in your latest book, I was like, this is an old soul. I thought when I would meet you, I just, I haven't really followed you um, that much for very long. And so I thought you were going to be like older. And I was like, oh, you've been through suffering. Suffering yeah. has a way of teaching you a few things totally. like totally. nothing else. Okay. Hannah, you know what? How do you still need the good news of the gospel today? We're just starting fresh in 2021. How do you still need Jesus today? The beautiful thing about the gospel is that it 
doesn't change. And I think that that has been, you know, evidence in this year that we've just had where everything has changed, you know, but I think too, I I still need it. I still need to rehearse it to myself. I forget it often. I, you know, I always need that tune up and I'm somebody who I love reading the Bible and the message translation, because I Mm -hmm. love Eugene Peterson. And I think he was a fantastic scholar, but a fantastic writer. And so it's like, he's speaking my language. Whereas like, sometimes if I'm reading other translations that I'm studying from, it doesn't hit in the same way. So I'm constantly reading out of the message Bible, just to let that like permeate my soul of like, Oh, this is, this is truth. Like this is reality. And so I need to choose to rehearse this in order to believe it. Mm. Oh, that's so good. We could just do the whole episode right there on the necessity (laughs) of rehearsing truth to our souls. Mm. And it's so hard because you can, it can feel like if you've ever lived a legalistic life, like you talked about, like how you're fear-based into the gospel, the good news, the gospel in the beginning. Like if you ever lived a legalistic life, it can sniff of legalism, but there's a difference between legalism and preaching the gospel to yourself, Hmm. Um, which maybe we'll just kind of, we'll dive in there. So you have a new book. It's called Fighting Forward. Uh, You guys can see it again. um, If you're following us on YouTube or on Vimeo, it's your nitty gritty guide to beating the lies that hold you back. Um, But I'm just going to ask that question just because it's in my head right now is, you know, I think one of the lies maybe that we can believe, and you don't necessarily dive specifically into this one, is if I if I have a system of reading the Bible, you know, every day or preaching the gospel to myself, then I'm a Pharisee, then I'm a legalist. Like, how do you counteract that lie? Hmm. So, I mean, like, I think that we're constantly having to, like, reapproach and readjust, right? Like, of... I've, I've learned in the last few years, especially that there's like so much more freedom than I could ever imagine because I am a system person. I like mm. a good system. I like order. Um, I, I find, especially coming out of that depression, that is how I thrive is by mm. like having very practical things in my day. At the same time, I agree. Like, I think you can become legalistic with whatever practice it is. And so I don't know though, at the same time, to me, it looks better in my life for me to be rehearsing the truth of the gospel over myself than to not in fear that I will be legalistic because I Hmm. need that truth you know david wrote in the psalms like in psalm 42 message translation says when my soul is down in the dumps i rehearse everything i know about you Mm -hmm. and i think that's both okay the rehearsal that happens from this book but also i'm one of those people who regularly goes back into journals and i look for the faithfulness of god and i track that and i chart that because that's what david was doing he was going back and he was rehearsing what he knew to be true about god and so i think that's maybe how i balance just trying to memorize scripture um with 
what I have seen of God in my very everyday life, because I'm a believer that God shows up differently for people, you know, like I think he knows me intricately. And so he shows up in ways for me that are different for you, but I will never remember them. I will never stop to, you know, be in awe of them if I never stop and look back. Ooh. And I mean, when you read the Old Testament, or at least when I read the Old Testament, I'm like, Israel, you guys stink. Like, hello, <laughs> God just like let you out of Egypt and like get the water out of a rock. And then for me, I'm like, God shows up yesterday, but he didn't today. You know, <laughs> And I, I mean, like I I'm like an Old Testament junkie, like I mm-hmm. love it. But it's even in those things like right now I'm reading Leviticus. Not oh, snap. Not the most fun book. No. But it does like it hits different. Like when you realize, okay, this is meant to show what the freedom of the gospel looks like. Like mm. I was reading just yesterday about when women had babies. And if you had if you had a boy and if you had a girl, like if you had a boy, you would have to be inside at home for 33 days before you could go anywhere. And I remember I had this moment of like, wait, so did did that happen for Mary? Like, did she have to do that? And it says right there in the text, in the gospel of Luke, that after she had followed like Moses's laws, like she was able to go out. And I think that in itself is huge of like, Mm. we don't have to have a baby and then stay inside for 33, 66 days, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, I look at the old Testament and I think it's meant to, show us what a contrast of like what grace and like Jesus's love mm. really look like. Mm, so good. Not to get on to Leviticus, but here we are. Oh, let's get on to Leviticus. Okay, let's go. Oh man. Okay. So fighting forward, I'm assuming you didn't write it in 2020, uh, but probably in 2019. I guess I, my question for you, it's been interesting interviewing all these authors who had books released recently. Um, and I'm just going to ask you this. So why do you think God had you write it? And why do you think he's having it released now? I don't think we could have ever anticipated how much we would need this book in 2020, 2021. Um, Because I think 2020 has been a rough year, obviously. Um, But it's interesting even to look at the book because there are so many themes of a new year and like, it is a new year's book. And like, I just, I can't take any credit for that because I remember when my editors and I were discussing when it was going to come out and I was like, that is a long time from now. Like that was like 18 (laughs) months ago, you know, and that feels like a really long time, but like there was so much that was going to happen and like also Mm -hmm. happen in my life, you know, like of like God's God knew that we were going to get pregnant, that we were going to have a baby in the midst of this pandemic. And Mm. so I don't know. I think people are definitely at a space where they need hope and they need encouragement. I'm one of those people, though, that it's like I can't help but be thankful for what the pandemic has stopped in my life because I probably would not get to see my baby as much as I normally would if I was traveling and speaking and like that was going to pause for a season, but I've had this extended amount of time and that's been really beautiful for me. Um, and so I think 
as tough as this year has been too, being able to say, okay, but like, this is where God has shown up and he must've known me to know you are a homebody. So you're going to be in your element to launch a book in the midst of Oh, I love it. And how old is your baby now? Well, she's eight months now. So she's not newborn anymore, but I think she's perpetually newborn in my mind because she was yeah. born in April, like at the height of it. So oh, I don't goodness. even know. Like, I know. <laughs> what is even time? Oh, okay. So the subtitle is your nitty gritty guide to beating the lies that hold you back. And so I want to go through some of my lies. Yeah. And, <laughs> no, let's do it. Let's do it. No, there's some lies that I have, but I know I've heard them um, in the world right now. And you address them so beautifully in this book. So let's let's take a couple. Um, inner critic. I had a conversation this weekend with some friends, um, a text conversation just about how, you know, they say something and immediately like something exhortative or they put themselves out there and then they immediately feel like you're such a loser. Mm. You can't, why are you talking? Uh, you're not, you're fraud. Um, you're not good enough. So how, what's your approach to the inner critic and how does it counter your own lies? Well, the inner critic is usually the one that comes with the lies, right? Um, And I find that a while ago, like a few years ago, I decided to like name my inner critic. And it was more so for me to have some kind of like separation from it to realize like, okay, this is not just me. This is like this hypercritical voice inside of me. Um, And so one of the things that I've just learned is that I'm not, I'm no longer in a space of trying to get rid of the inner critic, but I control the noise that I allow it to make. I control the volume buttons of whether I'm letting it just speak all over my life or if I'm turning that noise down. And I think there are ways to like combat that or to, you know, to question it, to interrogate it, to say, okay, like, um, where did this come from? Like what? who told you this, you know, because it's not the voice of God. I know that much, but I think there's something powerful of being able to feel that, that fear or that inner critic speaking into you and saying, okay, regardless of what you're saying, it's not going to change the outcome. It's not going to change how I show up. You know, like Mm -hmm. I even felt it when I knew I had to like announce this book and put it out there in the world. And that's like my least favorite part, because I'm like, what if people don't care like what if they're not excited what if it doesn't matter but I knew in my in my soul you're not gonna hide you're gonna show up anyway you're gonna do exactly what you would have done if you were the most confident person in the world and like with each decision to just move forward anyway I think that that inner critic loses some of its power now that's not to say that a new lie isn't going to sprout up in the next few days or weeks you know but i think that's where we have to we have to stay on guard for the things that sound like little lies but like if we leave them there in the background they're only going to grow bigger and stronger Mm. you said something there that i think is really important to to look at more closely which is you said the inner critic speaks, what if somebody else, what if nobody's going to care? And it's not that you start doing battle with the, with it, like going, no, people will care. Look at, look how many likes I got. Look how many, like, cause that's mm-hmm. actually, that's still an external identity. That's still a, you know, you have to like yeah. fight it with numbers and you can actually get 
go belly up there because what if the numbers actually don't show up and they, then you thing. right so I guess okay let's let's go from there so you battle instead with how am I going to approach this no matter what the results um I guess like what's the lie you're battling there you're, you're I guess I'm trying to like name what's the lie and then maybe this is actually shifting into the next question because you talk about courage and you said it's you know so it's not a matter of okay well maybe if I only had more courage I would show up it's Talk about courage, I guess, in the relationship to this weird space of no matter what the results, I'm still going to show up. Yeah, I mean, I've I've only that's the only thing that's ever worked for me. And that is also like in combination with other things of, okay, like what does God say about this situation? Like what what is like we said that rehearsal process I need to go through Um But I think one of those things where it's like, I think a lot of times fear wants to shut us down, right? Like it wants us to isolate. It wants us to um, not do the thing that feels scary. And people always say, well, like, and that's the beautiful part about fear is it's trying to protect you. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I guess, but also no one wins if you don't show up in the world, how you need Mm -hmm. to show up. And that's Mm -hmm. in all different scopes. That is, okay, I know I need to, bring this gift to my neighbor, but I'm scared. So I don't do it. Or I know I have this speaking engagement, but I'm afraid of the stage. So I won't go, you know, like Mm. you'll live this like half hearted life. If you just Mm. let fear have that amount of power over you. And that's where it's like, I'm not somebody who's going to say like, Hey, the goal is to become fearless because I don't know that I'll ever get to that place. You know, Mm. like, um, but I do know that, God is going with me in what I'm doing and he's going to fill in the gaps where I feel like I can't, right? Like I always think back to like Moses and where God is giving Moses that mission. He is rebutting him to try to be like, but, but you, but this, I can't speak. I can't do this. Like, and I almost feel like if I put myself into like, into that position, Moses is looking for God to like, give him a pat on the back like stroke his ego a little bit and be like, no, I picked you because you're so great. You mm-hmm. notice that like God doesn't respond to that way in Moses. He responds by saying, I'll be with you. And mm-hmm. so I've had to take that and apply it to my own life because for a long time, I thought it was just a self-esteem issue that like, I'm not confident. And so I need to read some self-help books and then like speak to my inner child and like all of these things like that didn't work for me. Like they maybe like were like superficially helped me on the surface, but like they didn't permeate as much as the truth of just needing to remind myself and know in my spirit that it's not on me. You know, I need to obviously prepare, obviously show up and do my best but God is saying, yeah, it's not you. Like I didn't, I qualified you, but I'm going with you. I'll be before you. I'm coming after you. And that's what you need to rest on. If you want to have some kind of inner confidence at all. And you know, like that's the gospel right there. Right. And so it's like, for a long time, I tried to fight through human means. I tried to do like whatever it was so that I could 
feel good about myself or my space in the world or where I was on social media or whatever it is. And I realized, no, at the end of the day, the only thing that leaves me feeling full and secured is when I remember to partner with God. When I partner with him in the morning, when I partner with him in the afternoon, when I partner with him in the evening, like, and I realize it's eyes locked, me and him, that's all that matters. And I will live a 10 times better existence if my eyes are on what he wants me to see, as opposed to what this needy voice inside of me that wants to be validated chooses to see. Mm. That's a good word. That's a good word. So just to double underline it um if someone is listening because i know there's people listening who they're like i've been trying to get a book published for years Mm -hmm. i've been trying to start a podcast for years okay look at you you know your ted talk or so i'm listening to the spirit and the results are not happening can you talk about a time when you've failed at least like you've tried and then you're like oh because it kind of seems like if you risk and you partner with Jesus then everything's gonna work out great like that can kind of be what we want can you tell Mm. us about a time when you at least externally failed um how did you care for your soul in that time oh that's a great question and I mean I think back to like it's so I get, I totally get that space of being like, okay, like, yeah, but that's easy for you because you're here at this place, you know? And I think about, I even think back to that TED talk. That was my very first speaking engagement that I had ever given. And what a lot of people don't know about it is that it was an audition that I didn't actually get chosen to go to the TED conference I wanted to go to. But months later, that talk came back around and they put it online without even letting me know that it was going to happen. And so like in that moment, I thought that's a dream that has died and I have Mm -hmm. to let it go. Right. And I think that we, we experience that in all different capacities of life. Um, And so for me, I think about, I think about that time, that depression that I went through and what it, utter failure that felt like because I was going everywhere, speaking everywhere, like highly functioning, like, and then overnight I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do the most basic tasks. I could barely put pants on. And it was such a humbling, hard experience. And I think the thing that I was the most afraid of is, gosh, like, what if I could never write again? Like, I believe that I'm here on this planet to write and like my brain may never function at full capacity again. And so who am I if I'm not adding value in this way anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think too, like that what I had to learn from that experience is that I'm not just like this one thing, like I have to have a well-rounded existence. You know, I was only, focused on this one thing that if I could just get this thing, then everything else would be better. And I think a lot of times we live in that way, right? Like if I could just, if I could just get to the top of the mountain, then I would be happy. And I, I often think God gave me this enormous amount of success at a very young age for me to see that it wasn't up there for me to go and tell the others, this isn't it. What we're chasing, this isn't it. And so it's coming down to earth and realizing like, I need to be surrounded by people who tell me who I really am. It's not about this rat race and this hustle. And it's also like reframing those failures because 
I felt a lot of failure in that dark time, but I have to look back like with, um, with a mindset that I didn't have back then. Right. So back then it felt very, like I was very ashamed. Like when I was checking into the inpatient program, I felt very ashamed that I was here in this place. And I look back and I think like, I needed to have more grace for myself. I needed to know right where I was at. And I needed to know that God was meeting me right there in the non-glamorous, can't document this space. And like, (laughs) that to me is like, the beautiful part is when we stop thinking, okay, but like, if I get to this destination, then it's going to be good. And like, I'm going to be in this good space and realize that like, as cliche as that is, but like every little step matters in the journey and God is partnering with us right here and right now. And so I don't know, like for the person that wants to start the podcast or wants to start the blog or, you know, you still have to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself out there in a really crappy way and you got to keep showing up and like failure will happen. It's inevitable, but like man, like you will never get those days back when it is just you and God at the beginning creating something that like you feel like you're Mark Zuckerberg, you know, like that will be gone at some point. And so I would just savor that. Mm. I know that like I probably answered 17 questions in there. That's great. You totally did. Well, and just to, to, again, you're double underlining and now to triple underline like what you said earlier at the end of the day, what is success? Hmm. It's that heart to heart connection with God and partnering with him to do what you're called to do. Yeah. And that sometimes is just sitting on the floor with your kids or sitting on the floor and crying with Jesus yes. or getting on a stage, but it's all, it's all heart connection with God and then asking in, in obedience. That's a hmm. hard word in 2021 obedience but it is like there's it's such joy to be obedient when you're partnering with the lover of your soul so that's what Mm -hmm. i'm hearing it's not it's in the beginning in the mark zuckerberg it's in the middle and it's at deathbed yeah yeah it's you and him at all times and i i don't want to make that seem like it's like oh it's just easy to do this because i don't know it's very easily very easy i can run off and and have my own agenda or do this or feel like okay like why is my soul tired right now it's because i have not met with god you know Mm -hmm. and so it's like but it's knowing that god is not the one that abandons we abandon over and over again so even when it feels like god's not there that's a feeling that we have to work through because the reality is that he doesn't change. He doesn't shift. He doesn't move away from us. And so it's like, it's a me thing at the end of the day, if I'm thinking he's not showing up. Mm, Yep. He is so present. Okay. Let's talk about envy. We've been dancing around it and maybe getting a little direct at it, but uh, envy is a killer. And there's so many times, like I actually posted about this recently, like envy storms is I can get in this, like, if only I was like as good as them and them and them. And then you're on, it's usually related to social media or checking your Amazon, whatever. And so then for me, I have to shut the whole mess down and again, go back to Jesus. But can you talk to us for a minute about how envy can be such a killer and how do you engage envy? Oh, I mean, I used to like really suffer from it um and yeah i mean because envy is like you're in essence wanting something that somebody else has and you 
gosh, it, it takes you down. Like totally. Like, and especially because it can be twofold. It can be envy for like somebody you don't know that you see online that like you're just envious of the success that they have. But then it's like, whenever you kind of open up that door for envy to come in, I also find that it spreads to people that you know and people that you love, you You know, it's like you love them. And so that had to be like, I just remember having this moment and I wrote about it in Biting Ford where I um, was feeling pretty envious about a certain situation, about a certain friend of mine. And um, that God really revealed to me in that, that this has nothing to do with the person. This has to do with the root issue. And so if you don't deal with the root issue, that envy is just going to jump from the next person to the next person to the next person. And I went through a season where like this envy just had its like heyday with me, but I realized, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm muting all these people that I feel inferior to, because that's really what it was. I felt inferior. So I thought if I mute them, they're not going to show up anymore. But then I'm like, I'm just that person that mutes everybody. And that was the realization of like, wait a minute, it has nothing to do with the person. It has to do with this thing that I'm not dealing with, that I'm not dragging out into the light and just dealing with, okay, God, like, what does this look like between you and me that I'm encountering this envy? Because in reality, take the people away. I don't want what she has. I don't want what she has. The core sin here is that what you've given me is not enough. Mm. And that to me like hits different, right? Like it's like, Mm. oh gosh, that's an ugly feeling that I have to wade through. And like, and I also have to mourn through things that like I thought might happen that wouldn't happen. But I think Mm -hmm. it is being willing to deal with the envy and deal with it so much so that like you are going to keep dragging this thing out into the light until it becomes smaller and smaller. And like, it may never be gone. And we might be the thing that you deal with for the rest of your life, but you can learn to manage it or redirect that. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, I've felt one of the best ways that I've learned how to deal with envy is that I just need to relentlessly be a cheerleader for other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that we get stuck thinking, okay, but like, I don't feel it. Like, I I don't feel like being a cheerleader. And like, I know in my heart of hearts, I want to be, but right now the feelings just aren't there. I would say do it anyway. Like, you don't have to 100% be all in when you're leaving that comment, when you're reaching out to your friend, just know that like if tables were turned, you would want somebody to celebrate you in that way. And so I find that like, in this area of my life, I had to start doing the thing before the feelings caught up to me. But the more that I chose to cheer for others and celebrate them in their wins, the happier I became. And I think the enemy is like, I don't want you to know about that. I don't want you to even know that you could cheer for people and collaborate with people. I want you to feel inferior. I want you to feel that competition with everyone. Um, And so that... I'm nowhere near perfect on the issue, but those have been the things that have helped me to combat it for sure. Have you found on the opposite side of feeling inferior is feeling superior? So you're either in, if you're in the envy game, it's either I'm worse than them or I'm better than them. But if you're in the like, God's my identity game, it's like, oh, I can cheer for them. Like, have you found that too? Oh, 100%. And like, 
I immediately was like, oh, this is not a space that I want to be in a space of like, all of a sudden I'm going on a measuring scale. Oh, I think I'm doing better than that person, you know? And like, I remember even like, I don't think I've ever talked about this before, but here we are. And I'm just going to say it. Thank you. Um, For the longest time when I was young and in my twenties, my benchmark was 30. Have these things done by the time that you're 30. And that's great and awesome when you're young in your 20s hitting the things, right? Then you hit 30. And I almost went like through an identity crisis because I was like, wait, but this was my benchmark. This was the only place that I planned for. So like, what do I do now? Like, how do I, you know? And that, totally. and that's, that's the same thing when you make other people your benchmark. It's like, well, that's just not a good way to treat people, you know? Like I think about like, Saul in the Bible and like Saul had the potential to be a really great king, but he wasted all of it because he was so concerned with David and what was happening with David and the greatness of David. And I think that's every single one of us that like, if we can't shift our focus from, gosh, I don't want to see them succeed because I don't want to see them surpass me to like, I'm just going to cheer for everyone and everything because I honestly do not know the battle they are fighting behind the screen and even if they don't have a battle we still want to have roadside cheerleaders and I think I pull out examples of people in my life that I'm like they are a fantastic cheerleader and I want to be just like that so if you're in the spot where you don't know how to cheer find someone who's a really great cheerleader and just figure out how they do it it's a good word that's so good okay I think, you know, people are increasingly talking about social media and yet most of us are still addicted to it. Like it's Mm -hmm. such a garbage dump. It can be good, but I think the less I'm on, the more I actually like it. (laughs) Then I'm like, oh, then I want to cheer for people. And, but the more I'm on, the more, well, you know, and studies show that. Okay. So maybe a lie someone is wrestling with, I know I've wrestled with this is like, I can engage social media often and it won't affect me. Like I can just... You know, here we go. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Okay. You've had to confront that in your own life. Mm -hmm. How'd you do that? And like, what's, I guess, I don't know, like what's even the truth statement you'd insert into that? Okay. The truth statement, this might make you happy. It might not. Is that social media is not going away anytime soon. And in actuality, we have reason to be thankful that it exists because our jobs would not exist without it. True. So that's where I have to put myself, but I also have to realize like, okay, but it is on me to determine how healthy of a person I'm going to be showing up in this space. And so I have hacked this process entirely because I know there's no avoiding social media for me. I can't just be like, I'm done. Bye. You know, like, so I've had to figure out a way to navigate forward. And I think that's actually like a really healthy space to be in because I see people that are frustrated with social media and their first response is I'm just going to get off of it entirely. Mm -hmm. And you, you couldn't, yes. If you want to be a nomad in the middle of the woods, go for it. But like to be a small business, to be a brand in 2021, you know, like you need social media, like, and so one of the things that I've learned is that I had to stop treating my social media existence like a whole 30. Like I can wipe it out for 30 days and come back to it. And I just needed to learn how to operate in this space. And so that looks like a lot of different things for me. It looks like having 
boundaries of when I'm on social media and when I'm not on social media. It looks like this little box that's over here on my desk that is a phone box. And I put my phone in there every time I'm creating something that matters to me so that I'm not then checking in while I'm doing it because then I'm basically in essence letting other people inform what I'm creating with God. Um, it looks like batching my social media and creating it in advance. And that's not because I need to be efficient. It's not because I don't want to be on the app. It's because I need to create things for other people when I'm in a healthy headspace, not when I'm on the app stuck in my feelings and then feeling like, Oh, I haven't posted. I better say something valuable. Like that never goes well. <laughs> um, garbage. <laughs> so it's like one of those things like that I've instituted in this last year is having a Sabbath. And, you know, on Fridays, I shut it all down and I come back sometime on Sunday whenever I feel like it. And I find that I don't need to take these long extended breaks from social media if I'm doing it in small increments each week. Um, and so those are just a few of the things that I've been able to do. I've also asked myself over and over again, like, what kind of space do you want to cultivate? Like if people are coming to your space online, your website, your Instagram, what do you want them to feel? What do you want them to know? I regularly give, like, I will regularly post something and then be like, Hey, like, Whoever is in the comments today, I'm going to be picking people out and giving you cups of coffee, you know, and it's like giving them little Starbucks gift cards. It's like you get to have fun with this experience, but mm -hmm. there, there's so much here that I feel. I think that what I had to combat like a year ago was that I was... I was focused on what I was putting out there, but at the same time, like I wasn't really interacting or engaging with other people's stuff. I was just kind of like lurking in the background, right? Mm. Like you become a lurker and I had to pull myself out of that lurking space and say, okay, if I'm going to be on this app, I'm going to be engaging. So for me, it looks a lot more like going back to the comments that people have left and responding to those and like cultivating my space. Um, and and realizing that it's like, if I don't feel it, if I don't feel like not being genuine and going to person to person to like, like their stuff and be like, that's great. That's amazing. Then just stick to where you are, stick to who God has given you in that moment and interact with them, engage with them because that's social media. Like it's meant to be social. Mm, that's good. Those are really helpful tips. And I love hearing the like weekly Sabbath and, um, just, yeah, those are some things that I've had to implement as I, you know, I went through the rage or like the rage quits sort of like, <laughs> well, whatever, I don't need to do the Holy Spirit's real, you know, and then I'm like, all right, this is a tool. This is a tool, a tool. to use to connect with people and to share what God has given you. And it's just the facts of life. You know, Paul had to write things down and, you know, we have the Bible and the printing press. So this is our kind of our printing press of the day. That's really helpful. And how amazing that is if we use it for good, like what, mm -hmm. what a crazy thing that is that like, it used to be that you needed to, you know, like it used to be that you would have to go through this huge intricate process to ever get a book published that like, if you wanted to hear some kind of news, it had to be on the TV or on the radio. It's like, whoa, like we've been given a really powerful tool but you need to come at it and realize like, okay, am I going to make this all about me or am I going to serve people radically? Like mm. 
you get that decision every single day and the serving people, it is so much more fun. That's good. That's really great. Okay. Last question here. If someone's listening right now and is they're starting 2021 and they're like, oh my gosh, this year is worse than last year. And they were barely, (laughs) (laughs) right? They're barely able to push play on this episode itself. And, you know, maybe they're wrestling through some of that crippling depression or anxiety that you were talking about or just feeling lousy and like, I got no soul stability. I'm up Mm. and down or just down or whatever. What would you say to them? I would just say, like, it's not on you to rule the day, to, like, finish listening to this thing and then be like, oh, I better shape up. Because I know I can be very, like, drill sergeant, matter of fact, (laughs) about things. It's just my personality. Um, But every, every bit of discipline or changing your life, it starts so small. Like the smallest acts that we belittle, we think it's not enough. And I'm like, that's the only thing that stacks up. That is the only thing that ends up looking like victory. And so even if you can only sit with your Bible for five minutes today, that's five minutes more than you had yesterday. Even if like, for me, like the number one thing I am not good at is like, I'm not good at like organizing things in the sense of like my clothes, all of that stuff. But I know that it contributes to how my soul feels. Like when, it, when a space is very clean, I feel very centered and grounded, right? There's science behind that. And so it might feel too daunting for me to set it, like for me to say, okay, I'm going to clean my whole closet out today so that I feel better. Like that, that's probably not going to happen. But I, I live by this like increment of 15 minutes. I believe that you can do anything for 15 minutes. And so set a timer and just start that task for 15 minutes because you can do it, you know? And then when it's done, you might feel inspired to do something else. Um, but I will say in my own journey with depression, the things that brought me out of that pit were actual proactive things. It wasn't waiting on social media for a miracle. It wasn't even sitting in my Bible long enough that I could feel the presence of God. It was being proactive. It was choosing to surround myself with people. It was choosing to go out for the walk. It was all these things that were not happening when I was just standing still that caused me to bring my life back together. And so I'm just really passionate about this idea of like, you do have a little bit more fight left in you. So like pick one small thing that's going to make you feel more like yourself and do that thing. Um, And then, you know, like those victories are going to stack up. So good. It's so good. And I'm so glad that you did speak directly to people wrestling, perhaps with depression, because I think, no, I know a lot of people, there's a lot of people where our fear uh, last April has just calcified into a hard, cold depression. So God help. Um, Hannah, thank you so much for sharing your heart and mind and stories with us today and for your amazing book. Thank you. You are welcome. Okay, guys, we do have a question of the week for next week. What's your favorite biography or memoir? Uh, My parents had us read biographies growing up and my 
one of my oldest daughters in school and she started learning about uh, different characters that I had read their biographies when I was younger. And it got me thinking, how about you guys? What are, what's a favorite biography or memoir? Whose story have you read? And you're like, yes, I really love that. Uh, let us know. Find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can email us at podcast at lauriekrieg.com. Oh man, guys, thanks again to Hannah Brencher. Go get her book, Fighting forward. It's really sweet, easy read, uh, really well written. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, guys, we'll see you next week.